0: On this week's show, we're going to discuss with Aaron Bandler. He's back on the show, and we're going to talk about his new BrewBlock system. BrewBlocks is a new system that is based on BrewPi and from the makers of BrewPi, but it's a full brewery controller. So we're going to dive into that this week on Homebrewing DIY. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard-to-clean crucin. They are no match for Scrubber Duckies, and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing, gadgets, contraptions, and parts. This show covers it all. On today's show, we talk with Aaron Bandler about his new BrewBlock system. We're going to dive into how he built his system, what he is trying to achieve with his system, and we're going to just dive into what he thinks about BrewBlocks altogether. But first... I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. If you'd like to support the show monthly, head over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy. Your support is what keeps this show coming to you week after week. If monthly is not the way you want to support us, you can always head over to ko-fi.com forward slash DIY, and you can give a one-time support contribution. Any support's going to help this show come to you. Another way to support the show is to write us a review. Head over to podchaser.com or you can just scroll down on your Apple application and give us a five-star review and that's going to help others find the show. The last way to support the show is head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and use some of our sponsor links. If you shop at Adventures in Homebrewing or if you want to buy new homebrewing software at Brewfather. Use those links. Your prices are always going to stay the same, but it lets them know that we sent you, and they then in turn support the show. Well, for this week, there's not a lot going on in my brew house. I've been quite busy with just spending time with family. I was recently on a vacation. I'm taking another trip this week. But that being said, I'm about to go into my winter brewing season, and I am excited about making some stouts and getting ready for, you know, a little bit more of some hearty beers. It's going to be a good time. Well, that being said, let's jump into this week's episode where we're going to be talking to Aaron Bandler about Brew Blocks. I'd like to welcome Aaron Bandler to Homebrewing DIY. He's been on the show a few times. We're going to talk to him today about his new project which is him building out a brew block system welcome to the show Aaron
1: thank you for having me again it's good to be back
0: it's always good to have you on the show just so everyone knows Aaron is actually my next door neighbor and I've been watching him build out this brew block system for the last pretty much all summer this has been his 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 project and I've been chomping at the bit to do a show. And now that he has built the system, brewed a couple of batches on it, I am ready to have him on the show and we're going to talk about it because if anyone has listened to this show before, a bit of history, BrewBlocks is a, is the current iteration of the BrewPie running on the Spark board versus the Arduino board. So this is real techie and geeky right now, but the idea is that it went from just a fermentation chamber to a full brewery system. And Aaron has built this out to his full system. And we're going to talk about what his process is and, and kind of what it can and can't do. So Aaron, why don't you talk, get us started by, you know, why did you want to go electric versus propane burner? What, What were the benefits for you?
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good question. So, um, Couple, couple benefits. The biggest benefit that I could think of was that I actually, in the spring, installed a home solar array on my roof, and um, was watching my solar credits stack up, and was just thinking um, I should probably put that solar power to work somehow. And so, since I was brewing a lot in the spring, and I was going through a couple, um, couple cylinders of propane every month or so. Um, it was a priority to figure out good, uh, it, it, it seemed like the right thing to do to um, put that solar power to work brewing beer uh, so that I wasn't having to deal with doing the propane tanks every other week or so. Uh, so that was number reason. Number one, uh, reason number two, I've, I have struggled for a long time with the propane system that I had. Uh, it's one of the things that's always been a moving target for me has been dialing in temperatures, especially in the mash. And so um, I actually used to brew with a sous vide cooker in my mash to try to uh, dial in temperatures. So I was already, you could say, I was already kind of dabbling in electric brewing, but in the very, very rudimentary way. So um, the ability to dial in precise temperatures was sort of the, um, the main uh, process side reason for why I wanted to switch to electric.
0: And there's a lot of different electric systems out there, you, you, all the way down to analog-type controllers. You can buy pre-built controllers. You can have a build-your-own controller, which is the road you went. Why Why did you land on brew blocks versus other controllers?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So, I, yeah, I started out by researching um a number of different options and the most i would say the most economical option for anybody considering going electric is the blickman engineering uh, brew controller uh, which is a pretty flexible device that you can use it on a 110 outlet you can get a 240 version you can even get a propane version it's a little bit more expensive but that is kind of the the entry level in terms of cost the entry level um pre-built controller. So I first was looking at one of those, um, and those run, I think around $375 or so. And that's basically the cheapest, um, pre-built controller you can get. And it's actually, you know, I never got a chance to use one, but it seems pretty good. Like it's computerized. You can program it you can do step mashing. You can, it's got a lot of capabilities. It's actually a really good system for how inexpensive it is. Um, part of, for me, the, um, I guess there's no better reason other than I just wanted to do the project. You know, I wanted to source the parts and, you know, in the spirit of homebrewing and the spirit of DIY, I wanted to figure something out myself and build it custom. And um, I thought naively that I would save money in the process. Um, that didn't turn out to be the case when I, I got about halfway into this project and realized that not only could I have bought the uh, Blickman, um, brew controller by that, by the, by the time I was, you know, I'd spent as much money as I had to get halfway into the project, but I probably could have gotten a nicer one from like a, you know, I think SS brew tech has like a fancy, you know, really beautifully machined um, system that you can get. And that one runs about $600 for the basic system. And, um, and uh, so anyway, I, I, anyway, the real reason is that I just kind of wanted to, it myself and uh, was curious about some of the different um, computerized raspberry Pi controlled options out there. Uh, so I did some research. I looked into craft beer pie was something I was interested in. Um, I did a bit of research on brew blocks, kind of compared the two. Uh, and actually what ended up selling me on brew blocks over craft beer pie was just the fact that it seemed to have a more active community and more active development and more active support. Uh, knowing that because I don't have, you know, top tier engineering skills, either in hardware or software, I was probably going to be relying on the community for some support here. Um, And I just got a better sense that the Rublox team is really tuned into their user base and encouraging an active community and and is actively updating the product. So that's why I settled on Rublox
0: yeah and what, what was it was there something feature wise that kind of drew you to it or really was it the active development were there any particular kind of things that stood out to you that you were like, hey, this is pretty cool I, I want to kind of go with this
1: uh, yeah actually and I think that this would be is is the same for for you know the various different um, software based, options that are out there. But it was just very, it's its very, very flexible and very modular. And so I was planning to build I have I have sort of a non traditional system that I built, I have a flexible system where I can do a five gallon brew in a bag batch with a single vessel and a single pump. Uh, and I can also do a 10 gallon kettle rim system, which uh, is two vessels, You know, it's one of which only one of which has a heating element, the two vessels and two pumps. Um, And so I wanted to have something that was modular in the way that I could configure it to do more than one type of thing. I didn't want to be locked into one specific system. Uh, Some of the kits that you can buy um, to you know build out your own brewery controller are more it's, it's it's kind of specifically designed for one specific setup and obviously there are different ways that you can use it but i was just really into the idea of designing something from the ground up that could be totally flexible and that i could modify if i need to and that i could um sort of control on my side how i actually wanted
0: to use it and let's talk a bit about your system you know you've you've kind of hit on it a bit there but if you were to describe That like, let's say you're gonna make a five gallon batch. What it, what does that system look like for you to make a five gallon batch? And why don't you walk me through like maybe your mash and boil process and what that looks like?
1: Okay, sure. So for the five gallon batch, it's a pretty standard brew in a bag type setup. It's actually very similar to some of the um, off the shelf E B I A B. You know things like the grainfather and the mash and boil. It's a it's a similar concept to that. It's a I have a 15 gallon SS Brewtech brew kettle um, that I installed in the bottom of it a 5500 watt heating element, um, and that is installed. That has a little um, power inlet in a junction box that's on the outside of the kettle, and that plugs into my controller. Um, and then there's also a stainless steel Um, I'd call it a false bottom, but that's not really, it's more just like a, like a screen, almost a rigid screen that sits just above the level of the heating element. And that keeps my grain bag off of the heating element during the, um, mashing stage. So it's, like I said, a pretty straightforward brew in a bag setup. You'll have the brew bag sitting in the kettle. Um, the, the heater can be, uh, heating the liquid in the kettle underneath the brew bag and then i use a pump just the standard brew pump um mine is an off-brand one i don't have a brand name one got a cheap one on amazon it works just fine Uh, and i use that to recirculate uh the grain so that or to recirculate the wort so that i um have a consistent temperature throughout um and then i have that all i had kind of set it up underneath uh a deck that I have outside my house and I use a ratcheting pulley and I pull the bag out when I'm done mashing, usually I let it drain for a few minutes and give it a good squeeze and I'm off to the boil and it's just like any other boil. So that's the five gallon system, pretty standard. Uh, both the heating element and the pump can be controlled by the brew blocks software. Uh, the heating element can be modulated, you know, between zero and a hundred percent. So I can, do things like dial in a rolling boil it's not at full power um and it can you know it's it's very has not nice precision when it comes to modulating the heat so that you're not um over or under heating your kettle uh and then for the pump it's the the uh i have a toggle switch on my web dashboard that's really just an on off um and I, I modulate the pump with it actually with a manual ball valve so i don't there's no i'm not using any sort of power modulation to control flow. I just use a valve for that.
0: And let, let's talk a bit about the brew setup that you, you have, right? So wh- why don't you describe to me how, like, for example, you built a, a controller, where does, how, what does brew blocks look like and how does it connect to your controller?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. So I actually, I forgot to mention one other thing, which is that in addition to my, controlling my hot side processes. I also use the same controller and the, uh, brew, the same brew block system to control my fermentation chamber as well. So that aspect of the original brew pie, all, those, all the development that they did on the cold side is also a part of this system and I use it to um, control my fermentation chamber. That was another reason why I was interested in this system was that it's, it does both sides of the process. Anyhow, to your question, um, so this was another thing that I'm glad you asked me this because this was another thing that I wanted is I, I actually brew outdoors. I brew, um, I have a patio area next to my garage that I like to brew. And I like to brew outside because I tend to make a mess. I, you know, I'm spraying the hose and I'm, you know, kind of making a mess like you do. So, uh, I, I like to keep it outside for that reason. Um, I did not really want to have my big high-voltage electric control panel mounted outside, where it could potentially come into contact with the elements, um, and have a, you know where I had would have a bunch of switches on the outside of it that I had to be, you know pushing, you know pushing buttons, pushing switches to make it work. So what I like about the um, BrewBlock system is that it's all online; it's all on a web-based dashboard, which is accessible through my local network uh, on any, you know, laptop or iPad or whatever. Um, and I can actually, there, there are no physical switches if I don't want there to be. So I have the control panel mounted on the wall inside my garage out of the weather, uh, plugged into a 240 volt outlet in the garage. And, um, I actually, in this current iteration, I have, uh, the cables that for my temperature sensors, my pump, my, um, kettle and my emergency stop button are actually just extended through an open window out to my little brew area and um, that way I can have my brew system outside it's all plugged in uh, but the actual electronics and circuitry is all indoors Um, and I don't have to deal with running back and forth in in and out of the garage to flip switches I can just do it all on the web-based dashboard so that's kind of my, my layout. Uh, eventually, once I get everything dialed in, I know exactly where I want to put everything every time. I'll um, figure out some sort of uh, auxiliary box, if you will, that'll live outside that I can plug my stuff into outside and just that'll have it you know, permanently running through the wall into the panel so I don't have to do it through the window. That's a detail that I'll figure out um, as I work with the system. Um, but then the other benefit about having it installed in the garage is that it makes it easier that, to, for it to connect to my fermentation chamber, which is an old refrigerator sitting in the garage. So I have the, the fridge there and then next to it on the wall is the control panel. And then there's a window there and the cables run out to the uh, brew system and it's all kind of connected, but everything is in its right place.
0: Uh, that's that's awesome and basically at that point when you're doing temperature temperature control it's it's basically a pid for the mash is that right is that what that is that how yeah
1: that's that's exactly right that's exactly right so it's um the uh the um well let's see do you want to do you want to talk about hardware right now you want to talk about the spark controller or or should we we'll get to that
0: let's talk about that and kind of how the pid runs would be awesome as well Okay.
1: Yeah. So there. So um, one of the things about brewblox and this is actually uh, something that I had to consider because it's not the case with other platforms. But to run brewblox this is an important detail for anybody who's considering this: is that you have to buy the Spark Three controller, which is a you know physical device that is um, produced by the brewblox team in the Netherlands, and they. They um, they ship them out. They sell them on their website, um, and their device is actually what houses their um, not the software, but it's like what can, it's like their controller, right? So it doesn't actually the um, the device doesn't actually directly control the components of your system, but it sends out the signal. It's what connects to your relays and it's what connects to your temperature sensors. So. Um, couple benefits of that and a couple drawbacks. The main drawback being that you have to buy their system from the Netherlands. Um, It costs about $150 give or take. You gotta pay for international shipping. Fortunately the shipping cost wasn't super high and they shipped it out right away. I had no issues getting a hold of one of these things. Uh, But it is an expense that you have to, you know, there's no that there's no way around in this system. Um, The benefit of it is that a lot of the wiring is done for you. If you're like me and you're not really good with circuitry, a lot of the finer points of the wiring are done um, in the spark controller itself. So, specifically the temperature sensors uh, where they connect to the circuit board. That's all done. It's it's plug and play in the sense that you can plug in uh, the the temperature sensor. It's a uh, you know it takes a specific kind. It takes the digital um, DS18B20 um the digital one wire ones uh, that's the only kind of temperature sensor it'll work with uh, but you can plug any one of those into the spark controller and you can get a temperature reading right away nothing nothing to it um, and then it also has ports on it to control your relays um, and it's there you know you can control on the dashboard which you know which um which pin controls which relay etc um but so that's that that just makes it really easy in terms of telling your software, you know which components of your hardware to control. That part is pretty much done for you. So for me, that was a huge benefit. It was worth the cost of ordering the device. um you know, it's got a nice little uh, display on it. um it's it's a nice little device. and um I was you know it it, it was actually one of the things that I thought was worth the expense um for how easy they make it to use. Uh, but so that device plugs into a um Raspberry Pi, uh which you know you would supply yourself. And um the Raspberry Pi is the what's actually running the Brewblock software. And so it's, you know, you're from your from your dashboard you're talking to your Raspberry Pi. Your Raspberry Pi is talking to your Spark and your Spark is collecting temperature sig- signals and sending out signals to your relay. So that's kind of the overview of how the system functions. Um, and then for the individual components they, it's a, it's a PID system so it's a um, you know it's 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 calculus which I thought I would be scared of uh, and then I learned a little bit about what's going on. It's actually like pretty straightforward if you have any sort of um, mathematical understanding it's actually, you know, the, the inner workings of how a PID functions is pretty straightforward. Um, and in most cases, you don't really need to bother with the, the, the super fine details of it. But um, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a algorithm that lets you set a temperature or, you know, you give it a, you set a set point and it will kind of modulate the output of whatever it's controlling, say a heating element. Um, it'll modulate that output Um, to hit that temperature and minimize the overshoot and the undershoot and uh, sort of hold a steady temperature. Uh, It's a pretty straightforward concept. And so the device is is kind of pre-configured to do that. And then you can customize the settings as you desire and as you see fit and as you are able to understand them.
0: And that's the same way on the cold side, right? It, when you're doing fermentation, it's a PID to basically manage and maintain your fermentation temperature within like point 0.1, uh, a tenth of a degree. right?
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, exactly. So, I actually on uh, my my old fermentation cham- chamber, I had um, what a lot of people have. It's you know the uh, plug and play um, Inkbird temperature controller. You know the one where you plug in the hot plug and the cold plug and you stick the sensor into the fridge and it, you know, those are that that's a really great, cheap little temperature regulator for a, uh, fermentation chamber and it works fine. Um, but that is, that is not a PID. So that one is basically just a thermostat. And it says, you know, if the temperature is too cold, turn on the heater, as soon as the temperature gets too hot, turn off the heater, if it gets way too hot, turn on the cooler, you know? So that's, that's all so it, with those systems, you're constantly fluctuating between either, you know, on, off too hot, too cold. Um, it's never like, it's not actually modulating to maintain the temperature. It's only going on or off, depending on what side of the target you're on. So with the PID, it's different. It's actually using, um, you know, a, a much smarter algorithm to, um sort of calculate how much it needs to turn on the heater or how often it needs to turn on the cooler to um hit that temperature right on so it's the same exact technology that's uh for to controls the cold side as controls the hot side the difference is of course the hot side is just a heater you don't have to have a cooling element in there like the fridge Uh, and i will say that having set up the um uh cold side fermentation chamber I actually used what they provide in the software. They have a couple pre-configured wizards, you know, common sort of common configurations. The fermentation fridge is one of them where you have a heating element, a cooling element, and then two temperature sensors, one one measuring your beer temperature and one measuring your air temperature in the fridge. And, they basically have done the work for you to figure out exactly what the settings on the PID ought to be, or at least what common settings on the PID are. Um, and you can just use their pre-configured settings if you like, and I'll tell you it works pretty well. So I was really pleased with how, um, some of the work that they did on the front end to, um, get it. So, you know, to kind of help people like me who just want to turn it on and have it work. You know to let that be the case. So, and they have a couple, um, couple wizards like that for some of the hot side stuff as well. So, um, so yeah, it's a it, you know it's a. It, I think they did a nice job making it um, something that really anybody can figure out how to use with you know some some troubleshooting along the way. But um, a lot of it's it's fairly user friendly for how for, for how for for the fact that there's like only a sparse manual you know user guide is like really how to set it up but like um it's surprisingly user-friendly
0: yeah to me good design when you talk about you know designing a product good design should be intuitive enough enough intuitive enough that you don't need a very complex user manual right that that says to me you've you've designed it well.
1: yeah exactly exactly and so yeah setting it up was really um pretty straightforward. They have a they have a good guide on their website for how to install the software. Um, and it's basically, you know, once you have the system set up the hardware set up that that's really the hard part. Um, but like installing the software and, you know, um, connecting the Raspberry Pi to the spark, and sort of configuring the elements in your brewery is actually quite intuitive. I wouldn't say, yeah, well, maybe intuitive is not the word. The The parts of it that are meant to be intuitive are intuitive. And the parts of it where you just need to like know, you know, which commands to type into your SSH terminal, like that part they've spelled out very clearly. So, um, yeah, the parts that are intuitive are intuitive and the parts that aren't intuitive are well explained. That, uh, that, yeah, that's the, good. Yeah. The uh, the most difficult part of this system, and it's really the, it's the part that they don't really provide much direct support for, is everything else that's not the software, right? So, build actually building your system. You know, if you want a step by step guide for how to build a brew block system, you're not really going to find one. At least I wasn't able to find one. Um, you you have to you're sort of on your own to figure out how to you know, which, which components to get and how to wire everything up and everything like that. Fortunately, I have a friend that's a mechanical engineer who was able to help me with that. So if you have a friend who's a good engineer, you know, offer them some beer to help you.
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a fine piece of advice. And chances are, if you're uh, into homebrewing and you're listening to this podcast, you might even actually be an engineer. I think that that's one of the things that Yeah, maybe you are. I'm mean, definitely that... not, but, uh, yeah there's it's like the amount of engineers that homebrew is is pretty high (laughs) uh yeah yeah certainly so um yeah so one question i have for you is you know what what kind of support is there is it got a community is it a forum if i you know obviously it's based out of the netherlands if i if i need help with a brew block system what does that look like
1: yeah, so the um, the there's a community forum, and that's really the place to get support. Uh, if you need support on things like setup, um, you know there are there is good documentation for getting your system set up. Uh, so that you, you know, read the documents, like really familiarize yourself with the documents because there is good information in there. Um, and then for more specific like use case stuff. Um, there is a community and I will say that the two guys who sort of run the run the um, the you know the service Elko uh, who created it and Bob is the um, you know the guy that he works with who does some of the uh, software support I'm sure there's other people but those are the two guys that I correspond with most often um, they are very very responsive and very active on the forum so while they encourage sort of community participation and everything um, they're pretty good at answering questions pretty quickly um, when there's sort of something related to like your use case or um, some sort of error or whatever so you know i'll give you an example i was calibrating my pids for my um, 10 gallon system which is a slightly you know it's 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 a non-traditional enough setup that they didn't have a pre-configured wizard for it so um, I was trying to basically just do a, a water batch to see if I could you know, maintain a temperature and see how long it takes to change the temperature, et cetera. Um, and I was finding that using the settings that kind of came baked into the, um, the uh, software, I was not able to maintain the temperatures and stuff. So I, I, re- I did a bit of research on how PID algorithms work Tried to familiarize myself with the underlying mathematics of it, got a general understanding, but you know, I got to the point where I was like, "Hey guys, here's a screenshot of my PID settings. Here's a screenshot of my, um, you know, the data stream of my my temperature data with time, and you, where you can see that it's low or high or whatever. Um, what should I do with my PID settings here?" And sure enough, within like an hour. They were responding like oh like you know try turning this one up try turning this one down if that doesn't work try this try that um so that's that's the sort of support that you get you have to be willing to kind of you know participate in the um in the forum and you know put your questions out there but um i will say that both elko and bob have been really helpful in um helping you know not just me but i see them on there you know, responding to everybody's questions um, and they're, yeah, they're good at sort of maintaining that. So, you know, in the absence of any sort of detailed user guide and in the absence of like, you know, tech, uh, true, like technical support team, they do a pretty good job helping people get uh, the answers that they need.
0: And if you were, you, you've brewed a couple batches on the system now, if you were to say, yeah. Hey, this system is missing something or there's something you wish it did, are, are there some things like that that you wish that brewblocks actually supported or did?
1: Yeah, that's a good, um, that's a good question. So, you know, there's all, there's, there are definitely things in the user interface and I know that there's a lot of stuff that are, that is kind of currently under development. Um, and so I've sort of given kudos to them where I can for, uh, some of the development that they're doing, that they're pushing out, but there's obviously, there's always going to be, you know, more stuff that people want. So, you know, there's a, I think there's a lot of room for development on their user interface side. Uh, they have a really cool looking user interface. You can set up a sweet dashboard that shows like a sort of um, visual layout of your system and everything that's going on. You get graphs, you can have, you know, readouts and all sort of stuff. And it's really cool. Um, but it's not, it's not quite fully like modular with the... Um, with like, you know, with everything that you can do, it, it's, it's limited in the sense that um, it doesn't quite uh, interface with like every aspect. It's not, it's not customizable, really. It's like, you can customize the layout, you can customize like what you want to see and what you want to, you know, how you want to control things. But in terms of like, really sort of getting below the surface into the inner workings and being able to like truly customize your dashboard. Uh, that's something that you really can't do right now. So, um, it's still kind of limited to like the stuff that they've baked in there. And, um, I know that it's, you know, sort of with each release, they're like, Oh, now you can control this. or like, now you can show that, uh, the same goes for things like plugins. They have, um, they have, um, some, um, You know, it's it's open source, quote unquote, in the sense that people can develop plugins that work with the software. Um, And so, probably the most widely discussed plugin on the forum, at least, is the the one somebody um, somebody made a plugin for the tilt hydrometer, and it uses the Bluetooth on the Raspberry Pi, and um, you can you know get tilt hydrometer data on your dashboard in your graphs. Um, But the only place you can see or, or, you know, the only place you can interact with that tilt data is just like in the uh, graph type of window. You can only see what the tilt is reporting. You can't really do anything with it. You can't say when, you know, when the uh, gravity is steady for 24 hours, you know, drop the temperature on the fridge. That's something you can't really like manipulate the data. You can just see it. So, um, you know, these are things that are kind of, you know, s- some sort of limitations of the software that, you, you know, just kind of make it so that it's, you, you know, you can, you can see and do the things that you need, but you can't really control every aspect of it. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And then the other thing is like the, um, this is kind of funny. So I, I set up, I, perfect, I purposefully set up a system that doesn't have any buttons or switches on it. Um, and it's all controlled through the dashboard. And that's, that's how I interact with it. Um, say I wanted a system with buttons and switches on it. I'm not sure how to go about doing that necessarily. The, um, the Spark and the software don't currently support any sort of manual switching. Uh, so like, you can't, you can't set it up so that if you flip a switch to turn on your pump, that it'll show the pump turned on in your software. You can only, you know, you can turn the pump on or off in your software. And if you want to have a switch, then you have to just turn it on, on your dashboard. And then you can use, you know, a sort of inline switch on your power there to, to do it, but it'll still show it as on. So it doesn't support any sort of manual interaction like that. Um, yeah, I know that's something that's come up in some of the forum discussion and whatnot. I actually found, you know, a- after building out a system where I can control the pump from the internet, essentially, um, what I found was that it's actually, like, too much work to, like, you know, go to a web page and, you know, if my if my computer's off or whatever and I, if I, I could pull out my phone I've got to, like, you know – look at my phone and open it up and unlock it and load the web page and might have to refresh it all just to like hit a button to turn the pump on or off. So what I found is that I tend to do, what I tend to do is um, keep the pump turned on all the time in brew blocks. So my little dashboard just always shows my pump running, but then I just use a switch, you know, physical light switch basically to flip it on and off. It's much easier. It's much faster. Certain things, I've come to realize don't, you know, don't need to be automated uh, or don't need to be digitized, like turning a pump on or off. Um, But the benefit of being able to do that is automation. And that's something that they're working on as well is they're kind of rolling out one feature at a time, a um, automation service so that you can actually, if you wanted to, you could like pre-program your whole you know, your whole brew day essentially. And I um, have the pump go on at certain times and have the temperature go up at certain times and do this and do that. Um, and so in a, in a, uh, in a system like that, it would definitely be useful to, you know, have your pump controlled by the internet, but, you know, it's, it's all kind of personal preference. So there's, so there's little workarounds and things like that but yeah there's there's you know it's it's a it's still a system that's actively being developed and um so there's definitely like you know they're they're very much there's they're sort of open to suggestions and hearing what people want and that's kind of where their focus right now is like um trying to deliver the things that most people want and so that's sort of been the the story so far is like, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll go into the forum and be like, Hey, can I, I want, I'm trying to do this. And they're like, okay, like, yeah, you can't really do that yet, but like, here's a workaround. So you can like kind of do that, you know, and, and, and we're, and we're working on it sort of thing. So yeah, it's kind of fun to be a part of that development process here.
0: Yeah. And I'd like to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience with the brew block system And of course, as always, we'll probably have you back again soon because I just (laughs) love talking to you about beer. It's always a good time. It's always a pleasure. I'd like to thank Aaron for taking the time to be on this week's show. It's always a pleasure having him and always informative when we talk about beer. If you'd like to find out more information about BrewBlox and Aaron's system, head over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and, or look in our show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Just look for us, all one word, at homebrewingdiy. Well, that's it for this week, and we'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY.